Welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. I am your host, Tom Gowker. Tonight, I am able to check off one of my bucket lists for one of my favorite artists of all time, Joe Lovano. I totally recommend checking out the YouTube version of this interview where it's uncut and uh, Joe has a lot to say. My plan was to ask the 20 questions. Uh, Some are supposed to be ridiculous and kind of just see where he goes with it, but Joe was able to spin every single question into gold. It was a lot of fun to listen to. Joe Lovano is at home, and he's in New York, uh, promoting his latest release, The Garden of Expression. It's, his, it's the second release on EMI, and it's a follow-up to the 2019 Trio Tapestry. All right, Thomas, how you doing, man? Good. Thanks for doing the interview. I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad it all worked out. Today was a good day. It's nice up here in New York. I actually have my door open in my studio. It's like 60 some degrees here. Yeah, it feels good, doesn't it? It's odd. Uh, Amazing. It feels unnatural, but we're loving it. (laughs) So this is the game that we're going to play. We're going to do 20 questions with you. Uh, They're going to be, some of them are going to be hard. Some are going to be easy. I think that you'll be able to handle them anyway. The last public concert that you had was in at the Keystone Corner in Baltimore. It was uh, March 13th, just basically a, a year ago from today. Do you remember that experience? Of course. It was the last concert with my quartet uh, playing for an audience. And it was Friday the 13th and the 14th of March playing at the Keystone Corner. Uh, it was such a great venue. And Todd Barkin, who's the put it all together down there, you know, in Baltimore, jazz master, he had the Keystone, original Keystone Corner in uh, San Francisco, which I never really played at, but I was there often during the late 70s uh, and into the 80s when I was on tour with the Woody Herman Band. And uh, the original Keystone Corner was an amazing place, man. I heard Dexter Gordon there and Bobby Hutchison and Max Roach and so many people through the years when we would play out on the West Coast with Woody. But the club in Baltimore is fantastic. And I was so happy to have the gig down there that had been booked for uh, some months prior to those dates. And Friday the 13th was also a very hip, famous tune of uh, Thelonious Monk that uh, has this incredible melody. Boo-doo-boo-doo-loo-dee, da-da-doo-loo-loo-dee, da-da-loo-doo-loo-dee. 
that just repeats over and over again. The whole song is just that phrase, you know. kept quoting that tune throughout the two nights. And then it turned out that those were the last gigs that uh, any of us played for an audience. The next day, the 15th, was the kind of the start of this lockdown that we went through here in the States, which is still going on. Do you have your shots yet? You know, uh, my wife Judy and I just had our first dose. And later this month, we will get our second. So yes, and I'm feeling much more optimistic. And uh, the one thing that in the jazz world, there were so many people who passed with the COVID, we were unable to really celebrate their lives. It was just seemed the one after another after another. And it was, it's crushing almost. Uh, we lost a lot of people this year. Been very difficult. And just in the last few weeks, uh, losing Chick Corea. Mm -hmm. and Milfred Graves and Ralph Peterson. Uh, I've been uh, attending many Zoom gatherings, funerals, celebrations. Frank Kimbrough, another really great pianist, close friend. Uh, we, could, we could list all kinds of folks, man. Lee Konitz and some, some, of, some of the real mentors and masters in the music and then also uh some folks that uh you know really made amazing contributions to the music you know from last year you know from uh even before the pandemic from january uh it's been it's been amazing time you know i feel we we really have to celebrate and represent uh all the folks that uh are dear to us, yeah. How do you know what hat to wear? You have you uh, you have <laughs> you have Kango hats. You got the bowler, the the uh, the 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 beller. Like what? When do you know? Is it a, a, a season? It's a year. It's a vibe. When do you know? Ah, uh, you know, like uh, 
That's a that's an interesting question. You know, I think like the different uh, the different hats you wear as a player, mm-hmm. each each kind of composition you're in, uh, the mood of the band, whoever you're playing with is like you come. You know, I try to come at it from an angle of uh, listening and creating music together for the moment. So whether you're playing a real swaying kind of a tune or a real funk tune or an open free flowing piece of music or a, a ballad and then a super slow ballad, you know, something that feels like it's standing still, you know, those are all kind of different hats you wear as a player, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in fashion, you know, it's about, uh, for me, my international touring through the years, which started with the Woody Herman band in 1977, uh, my first international touring brought me to some incredible places. And, and I try to, I have a collection of instruments from everywhere around the world and, uh, and some clothes and hats also, you know, feeling the culture of where you are and embracing all those things.
the Trio Tapestry came out on ECM Records. You're normally on Blue Note. Did you feel that this was a good opportunity for you to kind of change it up with the, the players and the sound? Well, you know what happened? I, I, I had three seven record consecutive deals with Blue Note Records from 1991. And uh, it was amazing that uh, it just kept going on and on. It was amazing to have the opportunity to work with the great Bruce Lundvall and Michael Cuscuna and then Don Waz uh, the last few years. I was with Blue Note, and uh, I think it was just time at the end of that last uh, contract period um, to just open the space and try to move into other directions, not really in the music, just in business and everything, you know? Uh, I had an amazing uh, time releasing 25 or so recordings on Blue Note during that period. And uh, it really established a lot of different bands of mine. Because through those years, I didn't just record one record after another. I, I, I have like three nonet recordings. I have maybe four or five quartet sessions. I have a few trio releases, some duet releases, some quartets with Hank Jones, like three records with Hank. I really had had an opportunity to establish uh, not only different repertoires for different bands, my street band and my ensemble that features my wife, Judy Silvano, and, uh, vocalese and uh, with brass and woodwinds. Uh, I had a real opportunity to, to really develop in a lot of different ways as a composer and as a, a presenter of music and an opportunity to put some bands together that are still happening today. Like I don't have just one working band. I have maybe four or five different concepts and ensembles of personnel and repertoire for each group, you know, that I'm really proud of. And it's, it's carrying on today as well. And now my new trio tapestry, which I've established now with ECM is just the most recent uh, approach and concept that I'm uh, that I have developed through the years. You know, the Garden of Expression is that leftovers from the original session, or were you able to be in the same room because of COVID? You know, that's an interesting because uh, we recorded Trio Tapestry the first re for the first release in the studio in New York. And we recorded that in 2018, I think. And since that time, through from through 2018 and 19, we toured Europe maybe three times, did a, a Village Vanguard in New York and a bunch of dates in the States on the West Coast and uh, at SF Jazz and uh, different festivals. And uh, the music that I wrote for Garden of Expression all came from the touring and presenting the music from the first trio tapestry. And one of the tunes on the first trio tapestry release was called Seeds of Change. And it was a, a, an idea about playing with piano and percussion and saxophone with no bass and how we could play in a tapestry of sounds and harmonies and melodies and rhythms, you know, and create the music as we flowed. Thank you. 
So Garden of Expression, for me, that even that title is some of the blossoms that have developed from the seeds of change from the first record, you know? So all of those compositions came together. Uh, and then we were on tour in November of 2019 when we recorded Garden of Expression. So we recorded that before the pandemic, you know? in Europe in, in a, the radio recordings uh, studio, which is a, a recital hall sound stage. It's not, you're not in a studio confined space. It was in a recital hall, which gave it that open, beautiful sound, which we had a chance the night before the recording, we played a concert for a full audience and uh, felt that stage sound and the way we played as a trio with no PA system. And so the next day when we came in to do the date, we just kind of reconfigured on stage and we were really comfortable in the room, which was also part of uh, the way we played together for that date. You know?
last song on the album, Zen Like. Yeah, gongs from the last album, and it, it looks like uh -huh. a, a continuation on. Yeah, you know, the gong, the whole thing with gongs for me started 1977, my first tour to Europe with, with Woody's band. We played in London at Ronnie Scott's. And uh, Ronnie Scott's in Soho there in London is right next to Chinatown. So I went for walks and uh, we were staying in that area at the time also with the band. There was an amazing percussion music shop, Rayman's Music, with all Oriental instruments, stringed instruments, flutes, and percussion and gongs. And that's when I first uh, acquired my first couple gongs, was on that tour, mm -hmm. 1977. So then uh, through the years, I've been developing a way of playing where I accompany myself with a mallet in my right hand and um, playing the gongs, uh, attacking the gongs for, for pitches and for rhythm with my right hand as I'm playing the saxophone with my left hand and uh, coordinating the timing, you know? So the, the, on Trio Tapestry, the first piece is called One Time In. It's a scored piece of uh, melodies and moments where I strike the gong. I wanted to write a piece and not just improvise a piece so that I could make takes on it if I wanted to. And that Manfred would hear a piece of music beyond just uh, an improvised piece of music. Like I was improvising, of course, but there was a, there was a melodies and things that uh, I was uh, interpreting as well, you know? So the, the whole gong approach has been in my music through the years. There's quite a few documents on uh, Blue Note Records also playing some gongs. Universal Language is one recording and uh, uh, Flights of Fancy, duets with Gonzalo Rubalcalba. I play some percussion and drums and gongs on that, you know. So it, they, they're, it's kind of always with me, you know. Um, so it, this trio with no bass gives room for other kind of tonalities and different things to happen without the bass kind of driving the momentum uh, in the music, when that space is open, then other things have to uh, not, not take its place, but other things surface that shape the music from inside. And that's, uh, that's the joy of playing with this trio also. Dream on that, to me, feels just like an improv jam. Is that uh, it just you rip that out and it, it just kind of happened? Or, or was that something well, that you played the night before? Thank you. 
dream on that is a, is a tune that's scored out like a lead sheet, like a, like a song, but it, but it's, uh, it's written with a real open approach with no bar lines or anything, you know, it's just a sequence of tonalities and chords that we shape as we play on it, you know, and, uh, we stretch out on it a lot more on the gig, the recording, it, it was a shorter take because Manfred's focus is to make an LP. He doesn't want like a 60 minute or 70 minute CD recording. He wants a, a an LP length. Yeah. So like 45 minutes or so. That's and that's all the music that you even record. You just focus on uh, the LP and then a CD comes out from that. But his he's turned his focus around to recording enough material for uh, an LP. So a lot of the tunes are condensed and shortened for to, to fit different, as many compositions that are on there for an LP length, you know? Uh, but that particular tune, Dream On That, uh, came together in a real interesting way, man, because uh, I guess it was around 2013 or so during Wayne Shorter's 80th year anniversary. Mm -hmm. I was my band Sound Prince uh, with Dave Douglas. We were on tour with Wayne, you know, uh, touring on this amazing moment when he turned 80 with his quartet and also a trio with Terry Lynn Carrington and Esperanza Spaulding and Jerry Allen. They were playing trio also. So it was like kind of three bands. Anyway, one of the dressing rooms, I had just got this new horn, this G mezzo soprano. And I brought it to Wayne's dressing room to show him this horn. And uh, so I played it for him for a second. And then he picked up his soprano and we played an improvisation, just two sopranos in his dressing room. And uh, it was short, you know, maybe, 50 seconds a minute, maybe a minute. And we harmonized and we hit this last note together. And he looked at me, he goes, I'm going to dream on that. Ah. <laughs> and that title stayed with me, you know, something Wayne said about this moment and some, something we had played. And uh, for me, it was a thrill to play a little duet with him, whether nobody else heard it except us. But it was like a, a big moment for me, you know, in the music. And uh, I kept that title in mind. And I, when I wrote this piece, I put that title dedicated to Wayne Shorter, man. He's like one of the most uh, amazing musicians of all time and has contributed so much yeah. to the music and humanity. He's a treasure. You know? yeah.
Joe, thank you very much for joining me on Something Came From Baltimore. Uh, I think I had more of a blast than you did. Uh, really, <laughs> thank you for the opportunity, man. Yeah, yeah, loved it. All right, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, be well, and uh, hope to see you. Uh, when we can gather, we will. Yeah, so very soon. I, I'm crossing my fingers. All right, cool. All right, you have a great day. Easy now. You All right, bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the interview tonight on Something Came From Baltimore. Please subscribe and flip it to five people who love music. Uh, I'm not connected with the podcast companies, and I am not easily found in the algorithm, so I really need your help to get the word out. We need you to be a part of that Be More Music scene. Something came from Baltimore. Something came from Baltimore. Something came from Baltimore.